everyone, and welcome to the second episode of Influencing Safety with Bill Martin, who currently serves as the president and CEO of Think Tank Project LLC. I'm Kate Wade, the editor of Incident Prevention Magazine and your host for this podcast. In this episode, Bill and I discuss psychological safety, what it is, why it's so critical to line crew safety, and what you can do to create it in a crew environment. So let's get started. Welcome back to the podcast, Bill. Thanks, Kate. Um, I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, we love having you here. Um, so I want to kick things off this morning by asking if you can define psychological safety for our listeners. What does that term mean? Well, you know, that's a good question. Um, to line crews and, and utility workers, a lot of these terms that are flying around now, psychological safety, emotional intelligence, HOP, human organizational performance, high reliability organizations, they sound like just another Kool-Aid. Um, but psychological safety, when we understand what it really is, is something that we develop on our own. And it existed long before somebody knew what to call it. Um, David, what's his name? Uh, Timothy R. Clark wrote The Four Stages of Psychological Safety. That's, that is a good book to try to understand uh, the matrix of, of how it works. Um, he breaks it into those into four stages. Stage one is it has to be safe to be included. So we've all been there. You know, you're, you're going with a basketball team. You feel like you're the on one out or, or with a, a group. Until you're included, it's not safe to be included. And you, and you feel that. And it inhibits your ability to contribute. Once it's safe to contribute, then it, can, it needs to be safe to learn. That's stage two. Uh, being safe to learn means that you can make a mistake and fail and you're not, you're not flogged and tarred and feathered for it. You know, you, you're actually, uh, you're helped to encourage to learn how to do it properly. So if it's safe to learn, then stage three is it's safe, becomes safe to contribute. And you can use this, these stages for your, you know, your family, your work, your crew, every, every kind of organization or group you deal with has a different level of psychological safety. Some, some places it's barely safe to be included. Some places uh, it's, it's safe to contribute. You can say, hey, I got an idea and, and, and you're not beat up for it. Once it's safe to contribute, the last stage, according to Timothy R. Clark in his book, is it becomes safe, safe to challenge the status quo. So that's kind of the, the high end. You know, when you have a crew that works in a flow state that looks, or, or, a, or a basketball team, that's a winning team that just flows and they, they don't need to talk to each other. The ball passes like fluid and everything happens like a river. You know, that's when it's safe to contribute and safe to challenge the status quo, that's the type of um, level you end up operating at. And, and, you know, I've been there on crews where we don't even talk to each other. We know each other's moves. We can interpret little, little nuances in the, the person next to you to know what you need to do next. So that's, that's kind of the way I, I, I like David's, um, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, uh, Timothy R. Clark's book, The Four Stages. Um, I'm going to mention also David, I mentioned his name twice already by accident, David <laughs> McPeak. Um, he, I'm just reading his new book and I'm going to tell you, he, he embodies what it means to have a questioning attitude. He asks questions all through the book. So it feels like you're in a discussion with David in the textbook. So in, in the books he's writing, it's really... Uh, this is his second book, um, uh, Frontline Incident Prevention, The Hurdle, Innovative and Practical Insights on the Art of Safety. But he talks about influence over authority. And this is a quote from his book. 
says that leaders should seek and rely on their influence more than their authority. The problem with safety is we typically start with authority, which limits our influence, which is, you know, this is all about influencing safety and psychological safety is wrong piece in that. If we don't have that, we, according to Amy Edmondson, we're in a knowledge economy. It's a, we're, we're, it's a competitive knowledge economy and we don't wanna leave any knowledge on the table. But when it's not safe to speak up, we leave a lot of stuff behind on the table that never comes up. And in a knowledge economy, that makes you less competitive. So starting with influence instead of authority, according to David, is, is, is another good way to go. Um, I, I might be able to explain it in a story too. Can I tell you a story? Sure. So um, this was one of the, you know, you know I've, I've been flying for 22 years, so I have a whole bunch of these stories. But this was uh, up north, north of me here. We, we landed at a hospital uh, because it was, the patient was transported to, to, the, to an ER. And I've, I've told this story before, and if I've repeated myself, I'm sorry. But uh, so a family of four is riding their bikes on a bike trail. There's two children, a husband and a wife. And uh, there's a change in the pavement. The wife's tire hits it, and she falls over, and she fractures her skull in two places. And uh, um, when I get to the hospital, she's intubated and unconscious. It's a, it's a bad bleed in her head. Husband's got tears running down his face, holding his helmet, and he's wearing his bike shorts. And I ask, was she wearing a helmet? And he says, no. And instantly, when we hear that, we go to that cause and effect thing that happens in our quick brains that well, if she's wearing a helmet, this wouldn't have happened. Well, that's, that could be true. But then I asked, why wasn't she wearing a helmet? And he says, she refuses to wear one. I said, were the kids wearing the helmet? Yes. And you were wearing a helmet? Yes. So now I know that that accident didn't just happen. That dynamic that occurred long before that accident that allows her to wear her helmet, not wear her helmet, is what caused the accident. So if I want to fix that, I need to find out how, what happened that she wouldn't wear her helmet. And why wasn't it safe for her husband to say, hey, we're not riding if you don't wear your helmet, right? It wasn't, for some reason, it wasn't safe to have that conversation. It is now but it's too late. So that's kind of where psychologically safety, does that help? Because it, that's where it plays into this, this whole story of influencing safety. The cues and clues are there early, but if it's not safe to discuss it, it, it doesn't enter into the, the formula for your day. So. Well, so let's talk about crew relationships and crew safety. One of the questions that you always ask people is whether or not crew <clears throat> relationships affect crew safety. And most people agree that the former absolutely affects the latter. So can you explain why it's beneficial to build trust and psychological safety within a crew? And also like what's likely to happen if that trust and feeling of safety aren't present in a crew? All right, well, you know, when you said most, I, I've had 100% of the utility workers and construction workers that I have asked that question to instantly without any cognitive load or thought say, absolutely crew relationship affects crew safety. And then if I'm speaking to a management group, they say the same thing. Absolutely, crew relationship affects crew safety. And, and I'm thinking, wow, what, what, what a benefit that is in a society right now that's totally divisive and argumentative and sometimes they're even, we even pit union and management against each other. Everybody agrees. So we really need, that's low hanging fruit for us. If, if everybody agrees that crew relationship affects crew safety, 
then that's where some education could come in to, to help um, inform and improve that situation when you see it's failing. So, um, so, so, so why is it beneficial to build trust? So if you want to be able to speak up and be able to contribute, then you have to have trust. And trust isn't like an easy word to throw around, but Paul Zak from in his article, The Neuroscience of Trust actually defined what it is, which was kind of interesting in neuroscience. Trust is oxytocin. It's a hormone. And, and uh, what's interesting about that hormone is we can't release it in ourselves, but we can release it in others. And the, the thing that things that inhibit the release of oxytocin are fear, frustration, anxiety, and anger. So if you're in a crew relationship, family relationship, business relationship, where it's authoritarian and there's some frustration, anger, anxiety, there's a low level of trust because you can't release oxytocin. And he actually did a, you know, they did a study that experimental group and a control group. And uh, in the experimental group, they actually in, injected oxytocin up people's nose and they got them to donate more money. Um, so I, I, you know, we could, I'm thinking sprinklers systems, you know, I don't know, but that's a whole nother story, but it's probably illegal. Um, so if, if you have low, if, so here, you, if you're coming upon your crew and you see they're engaged in a heated discussion, that's actually more of an anger or, anger or, or, or causing some anxiety in some people that can't deal with it. You can now spout all the things they need to do to them. Hey, you guys could snap up and get together, but that's not going to work unless you can establish trust first. So when we know that psychological safety is, has four stages, we know that it requires trust to engage and trust is oxytocin. When we show up and there's, there's a low level of trust, we now know we, it's really kind of, it's a no brainer, no, no pun intended, but uh, that, that's where we start. We start, we have to release oxytocin in these guys and pull them into us, get them connected. And it's really interesting. Once you start to synchronize and connect, um, ideas f fly. You know, they come when you're in a comfortable environment where you can contribute and you're here something from somebody, it triggers something in you immediately. So the different different angles that you come from, you know, uh, when you're trying to trying to lead, um, really, I, I think the angles make themselves when we create an environment of psychological safety and trust. Uh, the like right right now we're talking. When you say something, it'll trigger something in my mind. If I'm giving a job brief and nobody's talking nobody contributes, nobody's predictions change. Nothing comes out of them of any, uh, uh, some things may come out, but if they ask a question, all of a sudden it changes the dynamic, but it has to be safe to ask the question. Well, so one of the things that I think you sort of referenced, um, and it's something that you taught me about is this idea of interpersonal brain synchronization, also known as IBS. Um, so can you explain what that is and like how it affects or improves crew safety? Sure. Well, IBS is irritable bowel syndrome, but that's not what <laughs> we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this is interrelational brain synchronization. So it's defined as a harmonious rhythmic coordination of actions between individuals. So the harmony that occurs in a basketball team, you know, in a, in a tight knit group, in a ballet, um, that's, that, that's, that's high end, but you can also see it in a movie theater, right? So mm -hmm. you can see it when, 
when your brain starts to lead the movie because it's a scary movie and everybody knows something's about to happen. So you're gripping your seat, everybody's getting tense. And if you put everybody's brain in an fMRI scanner, the same part of their brain would light up and we're linked. Everybody's linked to that movie. We're synchronized because we're gonna scream at the same moment, right? Ah, there, we, it's over. Uh, it, if uh, there's psychological safety and trust and we start to interact together, then, uh, then it just it, 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 we synchronize, and when we synchronize, it, it, we start you know we start actually thinking ahead of the person next to us sometimes, where you actually finish their sentences. I'm sure you've done that with your husband, right? Yeah. Uh, 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 or, or they call you up, uh, and in one tone, what's wrong? You can tell on the phone what's wrong because you're synchronized with them. And the more synchronized we can get as a crew, you've you've watched them. I've, I mean, I've worked on crews where we were in a flow state. And even when we finish the project, like, whoa, you know, it's like exhilaration. That, that, that was incredible, you know? And, uh, but to get there, it's, it, it's a journey. You, you can't have all the baggage, you know? You, you can't be ruminating about somebody who just screamed at you to, to go tell you. We, we think the louder we speak, the, the more heard our, our point will be. And it, can, it has the opposite effect on performance. So, I, I, I like to talk about this, like, so your parents, you know, the, parents that have children, uh, you know, some of us are better at than others, but we bring home a meatloaf, right? I mean, a baby is a meatloaf for three months. It can't do anything. Not like a deer that can go running up the road right after it's born. So you have to do everything for it. And then uh, I'll ask groups, I'll say, so, you know, do you keep chemicals like under your kitchen sink? And a majority of people still do that under the kitchen sink. You got drain, a drain cleaner and liquid plumber, whatever, all that, that's toxic stuff. So then I say, so did anybody drink it? And so far, I haven't found anybody. Um, I'm sure I'll find somebody who has, uh, or maybe, I don't know, but, but, but they, they laugh. And, and I say, so let me explain the reason for that. Reason you didn't drink it is because your parents, not only were they parents, they were safety experts. And every Tuesday in the toolbox talk at the kitchen table before breakfast, they went over the MSDS chemicals sheets for all the chemicals in the house. So you knew, would know what chemicals were safe and unsafe and what to do about it if you were poisoned. And then of course they had a lockout tag out procedure under the sink and everybody laughs because you know, it's not true. But the reason is because they're synchronized with you and every, de every decision they make, you are in their mind. Um, and because, because you're connected. So, it's called neural synchronization or interpersonal brain syn synchronization. And it only happens when we are connected. And that only happens if it's safe to be connected. So, well, yeah. yeah, I, so I want to talk more about this, like tactical kind of stuff, because it's interesting to talk about the theory and the books and all this kind of stuff. But, um, how do you actually go about creating psychological safety in a crew environment? And I'm especially interested in how you do this with contractors who work for multiple companies. Um, can you give us a couple of examples of how to, how a crew leader or the team can build psychological safety among themselves? Sure. So, so it's, you know, I'm, uh, Kate, I'm really glad we're taught you're talking about this because this is stuff, you know, you, you can read about psychological safety. I mean, we have or the information age, anybody can Google this, but how you apply things the how is really important. It, it, we can have the greatest information in the world, but if I can't bring it to a crew level to be able for them to resonate with it and apply a tactic, it just, it, it's just a lot of really good information. And, and 
there's tons of noise in the information. So you get, sometimes I, I don't want listeners to be turned off because we're talking about psychological safety. It, it's, there, it is applicable. And, and I, my heart goes out to contractors, especially, I mean, at least in a utility, um, you have this similar crew most of the time in a similar environment. But contractors are moving from utility to utility and contractor to contractor. And they also have pressure because they have to perform to have their, their come in within the bid so the company they're working for can survive and make money. A utility operates on a spinning electric meter, which seems to be less pressure. And the other thing with the contractors that, I, that is hard is, so you and I are a contractor and, and we're skilled at what we do and now we're gonna work for this company. I have to sit down and have the safety talk from that company. And basically I have to drink that Kool-Aid. And then my contractor also has his own Kool-Aid and then, and then, then and then I can go to work. And in my mind, the work is the same, no matter who I'm working for. But every time I sit down for a different company, I got to drink their Kool-Aid in order to survive in their environment. So I think what we're talking about is making, uh, come up with tactics that make safety portable, right? So mm -hmm. as a contractor, I have a belief. And when you have a belief, then your actions have to be moving pictures of those beliefs or you're in conflict with yourself. Um, you can still drink the Kool-Aid no matter where you go and not be in conflict with your contractor, but it's worse to be in conflict with yourself. So, um, so for example, if I'm, uh, I'm a contractor, right? We're, what we need to do, something we can think about is the, the current dynamic. Dave uh, McPeak also talks about this in his, in his book, but there's kind of a, um, an authoritarian hierarchy in the, in, in the industry still that came from military fire departments where somebody's its leader follower. Mm -hmm. But right now, a lot of places I know in Texas, they're experiencing a lot of turnover, a lot of new young linemen. So the years of experience are leaving. So really what we need to do is we need to understand that the cumulative genius, right, of, of everybody getting together raises, raises the level of how we're gonna respond to whatever our, our, these problems are and our solutions. When we go leader follower, we're just nodding our head. But when we go to a cumulative genius, um, we come up with a better, a better solution. So we have to learn how to flip that dynamic. And so what, some, one of the things that uh, are simple tactics is to is consider flipping that dynamic. So get nervous when everybody's nodding their head, right? The, so everybody's going, yeah, like you're nodding your head right now, right? Yeah. So, yeah. right. <laughs> but, so we get, get nervous. That feels really good, right? That's another neuro, neuroscience uh, effect. Uh, we love as a, as, a, as a species, we love it when people agree with us. It just, we love confirmation. Confirmation bias is one of the strongest biases where even Google, when we look at something, it makes us feel good because it keeps sending us the things we like, right? And there's even people that are graduating from college now and their whole job is to see how many likes they can get for their company, right? So, so that, which is, I, I can't even understand that. But, uh, but I lost my train of thought for a minute. Oh, we're talking um, about tactics, about okay. creating All right, right, tactics. Right. So, so flipping, reasons. sorry about that. I, I get, you know, that's how I am. I, I get I, it. I totally yeah, so, get it. So flip, flip the flipping the dynamic means when you start seeing cues, like everybody nodding their head, that should make you nervous because that doesn't mean we're right. It just means we all agreed on something. And like I said, as a species, we love it because it affects the, the pleasure center in your brain, which is the same place as chocolate and sex, right? Mm -hmm. so, so now we're, now we're not only agreeing, we've connected and we're anchored into that agreement. 
And then when the other lineman comes into the group and says, hey, dude, I don't think this is really going to cut it. That doesn't feel nearly as good. Right. To the group, to the whole group. We're like, whoa, no, dude. Hey, you just don't understand. Listen, we got this. It's okay. But if we want a tactic is to be interested in why a person likely as intelligent or more intelligent than us, all of a sudden has a different idea. We don't have to like him. We don't have to love the idea. But that, that's one tactic is to start become interested in the person with the other idea. We don't have to like it. It's a simple tactic. Um, flipping the dynamic of how we operate uh, affects different parts of your brain that makes you more inquisitive, more curious. And a, a questioning behavior is what we're looking for to raise, to, to, to pull out of everybody. Because once that person starts talking, we start listening, we might see something we, we didn't even consider. Or it'll reinforce what we're doing because the guy is so far off. Right. <laughs> right? It could, yeah. happen, could happen either way. I, I, another simple one was from Atul Gawande, the Checklist Manifesto. I might have mess, mentioned this in the last podcast. I'm not sure. Um, he, he wrote the Checklist Manifesto. He's a surgeon at Johns Hopkins. And they're having, they have this, you know, in the medical industry, there's 250,000 deaths a year for medical errors. Um, that's not, I mentioned that, I think, in the last podcast. So it, it, some occur in the operating room. And when these people get together to operate, the nurses, the doctors, the aides, the, the person with the appliances, that's the tech guy, if you're replacing a knee, for example. He did a study, Atul Gawande did a study where they, they had everybody identify their name, their role, and any concerns they have before the operation. They had to use their name because they'd pull a bunch of people together, didn't even know each other. Now on a crew, that's not necessary, you know each other. But if we just confirmed after the job brief, that just like we would in three-way communication for switching or, 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 a, or a jumper. All right, what's your role? And uh, all right, and, and Kate, you might say, well, I'm in the bucket today and I'm gonna set, I'm replacing a set of double arms and I'm going to work with John who's in the other bucket. Okay, John, what are you doing? Yeah, same thing, he just said the same thing. And he said, yeah, I got a little concerned. I think the DA bolts we got for this are too short for the size of the pole. And those are the kind of things that come up. Mm -hmm. But more than that, when you get to the apprentice who's afraid to speak up, you are practicing speaking up, right? Yeah. If we want to get good at anything, we practice. It's been part of our, part of our, uh, part, you know, if you have kids on a football team, they get good because they practice. You want to learn violin, you practice violin. We tell everybody, well, yeah, we want you to speak up. You, need, you can speak up. It's safe to speak up, Kate. Well, what are we doing to practice that? This, Atul Gawande calls this the activation phenomenon. If we stand in a group, and identify our role and any concerns we have, we are 80% more likely to speak up during, during the event. That's what they found in the study. Low-hanging fruit, Kate. Just to, uh, I mean, somebody reading off a job brief that we do every day becomes a ritual, mm -hmm. but the conversation is where the genius comes out. That's where, we, once you start identifying your role and any concerns you have, you can see the genius in the experience of the worker come out into, into an into a engaged, interconnected discussion with everybody. The two guys in the bucket don't walk off and talk by themselves. And the grandman doesn't go talk off, go, go talk to the, to some of the flagmen. Everybody's there. And I, I think that's, without going into a whole lot of other detail, I, I think that's, that's key. I, I also am a fan of doing, of simulating. I mean, the, the Navy SEALs do this, right? They, they, they simulate, they don't practice until they get it right. They practice until they can't get it wrong. If we practice speaking up, we'll get it. And I, I, uh, I'm a, I promote the three P's, right? Practice, primes, proficiency. So that's, if we just think 
three fees. If there's something we want to get better at, we have to practice. We, have a, we want to practice getting good at flipping the dynamic, and we have to practice listen, looking for that cue that everybody's nodding their head and laugh. Say, ah, everybody's nodding your head. What's wrong? <laughs> right? I mean, one of the uh, Army majors from World War II, General, can't think of who it was right now, said, when everybody's thinking alike, somebody's not thinking. <laughs> that, that is a good one. Right. Well, and I'm also thinking that, you know, the more comfortable people are in their work, um, the more that they're going to speak up if they feel safe. Um, and so it might not just be about whatever's wrong, but it might be just different ideas that they have, but by creating safety in a group um, that you can actually advance. And I think you and I had talked about, um, was it 3M or one of the companies where they gave people, um, their employees time to um, you know, work on their own ideas, um, and try to come up with, you know, just new and different things. And I think you said that's where maybe sticky notes came from and duct tape. Yeah. And duct tape. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, uh, they had a, a half a day or something to, to innovate. Mm -hmm. And what happens when, when we, when it becomes safe, your, your, the cognitive load of your brain loosens up and has room to actually innovate, create and invent, um, I just did a post on LinkedIn. Um, we were up on Whiteface Mountain several years ago. The, the pole burned in half on one of the Black Diamonds, along one of the one Black Diamond trails. And so that's a problem in the middle of winter if they want to keep their ski lifts going, right? So, so we designed two, two a double cross arm, double cross arm splice fix to put the the uh, the phases up at the top of the double cross arms, which means we had to climb the cross arms. Um, and then we also had to get 400 pounds worth of, of material down to the pole, down the black diamond. It's, you know, it's not in this, it's not in us, it's not in a manual anywhere, mm -hmm. but we just sat down when everybody sat down, it was just so invigorating to listen to the ideas pound off each other to cre create solutions and then, and, and pick up red flags. Oh, that's not going to work because this has to happen. And how are we going to make it safe for uh, we really should isolate the line at e each either above and below so we don't have to think about grounding it and, and remove that that from the table because it's just an isolated piece of wire and um but that that innovation and invention to what i know there's linemen and electric utility workers listening to me now that have experienced that and what happens when management comes in and creates it an unsafe and psychologically safe environment because it's authoritarian or they yell or they this is what we're going to do. They squash uh, enormous amount of knowledge economy. You know, and I think people nervous. I mean, obviously, I don't have a background. Um, I'm, I've never been a lineman or anything like that. But I tend to perform more poorly um, if I'm really stressed out or I feel like somebody is like breathing down my neck, yelling at me, micromanaging. Um, it works a lot better when we're all collaborative, and I know that I can say something stupid, maybe do something stupid and be like, whoa, you know, um, and have the safety to do that and then come back from it. But Absolutely. The studies are all proven. Uh, um, when you're, when they make, when you are feeling uncomfortable, you are not going to operate at your highest level of performance. Yep. hundred percent. Well, so one of the other things I wanted to ask you about, and we've sort of um, hedged around it, but one of the things we talk about a lot in this industry is stop work authority. And so I'm wondering how does psychological safety or the lack thereof affect stop work authority? So that's, um, 
I, I, I mean, we almost have probably already answered it, but it's it's good to be clear. Um, you hear a lot of companies, you know, they'll come right out. Everybody has stop work authority, and and because we say it, we think it's true. Uh, and that's that's another cue if you're looking for simple tactics. When you hear somebody say something, um, what we want to know is we want to verify that it's true, mm -hmm. right? So. Um, trust but verify is huge in our industry, right? You don't say, hey, yeah, line's dead, go ahead, <laughs> right? We test dead and then work, right? Oh yeah, he said it was dead, must be okay. Trust and verify is, is a tactic we use all the time, but we don't use it in all the right places. And when somebody says, yeah, everybody has stop work authority, um, you, need, you need to verify that. Does that mean that everybody in the crew, do you feel comfortable speaking up? And they're gonna say yes. Um, so let's try that. Well, what do you mean? Well, we're, uh, we're doing a job today. I want you to stop it at some point. And you're the apprentice, right? I just want you to stop it. Say, hey, look, I'm uncomfortable with this. Can we stop for a minute? And just see what happens. And if nobody listens to you, then that's where we have to work. Because in order to stop work authority, have stop work authority, somebody has to listen. Uh, I know a case where apprentice was in a bucket working next to a, a, a journeyman lineman. And they were transferring. And uh, they transferred the three phase. They're transferring the middle phase, which is right over the neutral. And as he's slacking off, as he's, as he's to get ready to transfer to move the phase up, he's got to move it up quite a ways. So he's got the, the, the jacks at, a, at an angle. He's, it's letting off and the phase is getting lower and lower towards, towards the neutral. So the, the apprentice is saying, hey, that, you're getting kind of close to the neutral. And the journeyman looks at, okay, kind of ignores him, keeps going. He says, hey, you're getting close to the neutral. Okay. Then he hollers down to the foreman, hey, he's getting kind of close to the neutral. And the foreman says, all right. And then he swings the bucket and the journeyman says, where are you going? I said, I don't want to be here for the flash. And then next instant it was because <laughs> the phase got to the neutral. So he spoke up several times, but unless we practice what that looks like, our response may not be what we expect it is because we are, it's called, a, you know, we might get into heuristics in the future here. I, we have to talk about that, but mm -hmm. the consistency heuristic, we're, we are really good at driving a bad plan all the way to failure because we're driven. Okay, yep, okay, yep. You know, on Everest, um, I, I went to base, Everest base camp, I was supposed to go to camp too. But when we were there, there were some people that died. Um, there was a turnaround point. They've been hiking all day. They're going up, they're at 26,000 feet. They can see where they want to get to and their turnaround time comes and they ignore it and just keep going. They know they shouldn't, but they keep going because they've gone all this way and we got all this way. You just have to go that much further. It's kind of the same as the lineman, Jack. It's not, he's not that he was ignoring, he's engaged in his work. Mm -hmm. And we just continue consistently to drive a bad plan all the way to failure. And those people that went up Everest died because they could get there, but they couldn't get back. So, wow. Well, so I think we've talked about a lot today. I hope our listeners have a lot to chew on. Um, I just want to ask if there's anything else you want to mention before we close out this episode. Uh, I, I think, uh, I think if anybody's listening, I, it takes action to, to make these changes. Psychological safety is just a word, right? I mean, mm -hmm. I think I've told this story and you probably know, like I hitchhiked to Colorado and back in, in the seventies. And I learned there before the term even existed that what I say and how I say it affects other people's response. And then sometimes I had to be careful because it wasn't safe for me to respond the way that I thought I could respond. So I had to be careful. So that's, that's psychological safety. It, the word, don't let the word scare you. 
we are we all live with it right we we live with uh, how we we are capable of making people angry making people happy but what we want to do in a working environment we want to help people become the best version of themselves to operate at the highest level that they can and if we do things that put that in a different direction it it affects all of us it just doesn't affect that person so so I, in an economy where we're the infrastructure is falling apart and we're going to hire more people to put it back together with less experience we need to rely on everybody's ideas even if we don't like them or their idea yeah. so cumulative genius uh, reigns and i think there's all kinds of really good theory out there uh, i know uh, there's an article in your toolbox talk about sbar yeah. uh, uh, this month and that's that's you know that's a really good tactic uh, it's you know it's a little military. I think Nate Boutwell was the lead on it, and there were a couple of PhDs that that co-authored with for him. I can't remember their names, but but uh, they used that. They were using that in hospitals, you know, the situation, the background, and assessment and recommendation, and in in conversations, that might help make it psychologically safe if we have a system and everybody knows the system. Look, this is what we're going to we're going to discuss the situation, the background then we're going to assess what we're doing and then we're going to recommend. So we're not trying to beat anybody up. This is the system we use. But everybody has to agree on that and it has to be safe to even apply the system, right? Yes. So in hospitals, uh, they went to the STEP program it's, and they used a simple acronym called CUS, C-U-S. And everybody agreed they would that would be a tactic. If you're working on a crew, for example, if you, if you adopted this from into a line crew, so you're on a line crew and the first, if you hear the C word, look, I'm a little concerned about this. That should trigger the whole crew. Okay, he's concerned. That's the first of the three letters of cuss. All right, so we go, well, let's talk about, it. okay. Yeah, and if they, they blow me off and now I'm going a little further. Look, I, I'm not sure I understand. I'm not sure my concern was, was, was really considered. I'm not sure I understand how we're gonna move forward from here. That's the U. And that should be a trigger for everybody. Okay, we were two out of three letters because the third letter is S. That's stop. Let's stop and reevaluate because I'm concerned and I still don't understand. That's another simple tactic. You know, there's a lot of often we're in our cave hammering away at a at a square piece of stone trying to make it a wheel. And in the cave next door, there's four wheels on a Corvette, right? We just have to look next door and say, oh, cool, you got four wheels there. We could just do that, right? Well, cuss is just something you they use one tactic they use now so s bar is another good tactic it's a little more complicated than cuss and I, i'm i'm a lineman by heart you know from the in, in my heart and from the for 20 years keep it simple stupid rings really clearly with me um i i, I the more complicated it is the less i can apply it to my day so i think i think honestly if linemen start to think about flipping the dynamic and just look for the cues, they'll come up with their own tactics, right? I, I, and I, I've, I've used one. I just had somebody, I have a paramedic friend of mine who just said they're using one that I was talking to some linemen about and they overheard me. And that was the red flag words, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, when you hear, I think maybe should be, might be probably, those words mean we don't know. So if it's of any consequence what you're about to do, you just take another couple seconds to think it through. You still might do it, but you might do it with a fail-safe strategy instead of just winging it. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So that I don't know. I, that's I, I don't know if I answered your last question there. That that's kind of what 
worries me about these podcasts is the words themselves and the complexity of safety uh, and the noise that surrounds us. I think we, if we boil it down to simple tactics that resonate with the worker, because who's the person that is, effect, is affected the most, right? It's the guy doing the work, mm-hmm. you know? And to Dave McPeak's book, he, he, he said, you know, when somebody gets electrocuted, uh, who gets hurt worst? the genius lineman or the apprentice, right? It's everybody, once, once you, once that injury has occurred, we are all exactly the same. Yeah. So anyway, that, uh, I I hope this is really close to my heart. This one, uh, Kate, I, 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 my core belief is something that I have tried to model my life after. And if, if we aren't sure what we believe, I think that's a good place to start. And we might even want to talk about that at some point. I believe that when we're helping others become the best version of themselves, we're being the best version of ourselves. That's a simple core belief. And now I need to model my life so my actions are moving pictures of that beliefs. And when I'm not, when I'm making it harder for somebody to do something, I'm in, uh, I'm in conflict, with, conflict with myself. And I tell people that, you know, well, how do you decide what you believe? And I say, well, my suggestion is, Go for a hike, nice quiet hike in the woods, go sit on a rock and decide. Can you do, can you be good at this work and be safe? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And we already know every, every utility worker I have talked to and construction worker believes this, crew relationship affects crew safety. So we already know what, they already know what they believe. All we gotta do now is model tactics that, that match that belief. So. Sorry, I hope I didn't drag this out too long. Of course not. I, I just want to thank you so much for your time today, Bill, and all of your insights. Um, in our next episode of the Influencing Safety Podcast, Bill and I are going to dive into the nitty gritty of emotional intelligence. Until then, stay safe and be well. The views, information, and opinions expressed during this podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of utility business media and its employees. It is strongly recommended that you discuss any actions or policy changes with your company management prior to implementation.